Four-star wide receiver Joshua Manning commits to the Missouri Tigers. Always a good day if you're a Mizzou fan. Plus, did Jimbo Fisher accidentally reveal something at SEC Media Days about the future of SEC scheduling? I think he did. Let's talk about what this means for the Tigers and more. Coming up right now on Locked on Mizzou. You are Locked on Mizzou. Your daily podcast on the Missouri Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, all you true sons and daughters, I'm John Miller, your Mizzou mafioso and central scrutinizer of Missouri Tigers football and basketball. And today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, we have to start today with a big time commitment for Eli Drinkwitz and company. I guess you could say it had been eh, a slight, maybe, drought on the recruiting front, maybe the last couple weeks to a month or so, but this is what we're talking about, right? Joshua Manning of Lee Summit, four-star wide receiver. Missouri beat out the likes of Arkansas, Cincinnati, Nebraska, but really it came down to ultimately Missouri and the Kansas State Wildcats. And you know what? The Tigers going to play the Wildcats for the first time in 11 years this fall but not too early to get a victory over those mild cats right now. You know what I mean? So on July 2nd, in fact, Joshua Manning was set to commit, and he even he admitted yesterday to Rivals.com following his commitment at Lee Summit High School that he was going to commit to Kansas State that day. That is what's been suspected for a while now. Well, Joshua Manning himself the man himself said, "Yep, that's absolutely true. I was going to I was all set to commit to to Kansas State that day until, well, he got contacted by Eli Drinkwitz and got talked out of it. The word on the street is there may have been some NIL implications there. So, hey, thank you to all you rich people in Boone County and the surrounding areas. Appreciate you for this four-star wide receiver. Now, in 10 games as a junior last season in high school, Manning put up some really impressive numbers. 10 games, scored 12 times with over 1,100 all-purpose yards, and that includes at least one kickoff return for a touchdown and another big-time kickoff return to down inside enemy territory from what I saw, too. But as a receiver, from what I could tell, again, this is just based on purely looking at Manning's highlights online. So take all of this with a grain of salt, and I've certainly learned over the years to not take these highlight packages too seriously. Actually, yes, pump the brakes always. See what the upside is, but realize that, hey, not exactly a lot of dropped passes in these highlights. You're not getting the full picture, no question about that. It's also hard to gauge top-end speed against the type of competition that Manning was facing in high school. Nothing against the teams that Lee Summit North is playing, or excuse me, just Lee Summit in this case, but let's be real. Some of these cornerbacks, you watch them on film, they're not going to be playing college football, especially not in the SEC. But what you can really gauge, I think, from Manning's highlight video is that he really has pretty exceptional body control, especially for a guy 
of his age of 16, 17 years old, whatever he was as a junior, and also an ability to really get his feet down. That's part of the the body control element here. Not only was he able to adjust to the ball in midair and catch it, well, he seems to have a a sort of a, a what am I trying to say? A, a young, a, an older man's, a veteran's ability to get that foot down in bounds, which obviously is a really key element, if, especially if you're going to be playing on the boundary of the offense, if you're going to be an outside receiver. Now, it did seem like, just based on his film, that Manning's preferred spot, or at least the spot that he manned more often than not, was the Z receiver spot, all the way on the extreme right side of the offense there. But he played. He seemed to play plenty of slot on both sides of the field, he even played a little bit of X on the extreme left of the offense as well. So, as well. so not only, to me, did Manning show an ability that not a lot of young guys can by really good body control, being able to get his foot down on tough catches down the sidelines, but also the ability to play all over the field showed a little bit of of ability of maturity that perhaps a lot of high schoolers don't don't show at this point. But regardless, if you're able to flip a guy who's considered a four star at any position, especially away from a regional rival like Kansas State, that's a big time win for Drinkwitz and company, no question. Perhaps a, another interesting recruiting tidbit here was picked up by Mizzou beat writers and just observers of high school football in the Kansas City area. Well, Raytown's Logan Reichert was there for Joshua Manning's commitment in person. Perhaps they're just buddies. I have no idea what the nature of their relationship is, but I do know that it's basically down between Missouri, Oklahoma, and Oregon for Raytown's Logan Reichert, who, if you'll recall, is one of the biggest targets, both literally and figuratively, for Missouri, just a huge young man at offensive line, a four-star prospect. Missouri obviously so far appears to have missed out on a couple of their other big targets on the O-line, Caden Green and Miles McVay. But you know what? Reichert has appeared to be maybe the strongest Missouri lean, and this seems to be an indication, at least if you want to read between the lines, that hey, Missouri's still in good shape here because obviously these guys aren't teammates. I'm sure they've met before, but that kind of shows to me that Reichert probably leaning toward Missouri. At least, hey, if I'm a betting man, I would certainly take that. I would certainly take those odds. September 8th, as of right now, Reichert's next birthday. That's when he's scheduled to make his announcement, but he's also admitted that that could come really at any time. So, I don't know. Follow him on Twitter. I don't know what to tell you there. That's all I got for the high school B. But you know what? I talked about being a betting man just now. Well, you know what? I am a betting man, quite literally. And the only place that I would send you for your betting needs is, of course, betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. And you know what? This time of year, it's the time to start looking at props, whether it's futures for the Super Bowl, NFL player props. To me, this is when you can start getting value. And to be honest, though, you look at these Super Bowl futures, I'm not seeing a lot of great value right now. The odds just aren't aren't tremendous. In fact, the Baltimore Ravens are a team that I thought, hey, they might be a little undervalued. Well, not really at 18-1. to 1. In fact, the only team that strikes my fancy 
even a little bit, the Arizona Cardinals. Yes, I know they've collapsed each of the last two years in the second half, but maybe this is the year Murray can stay healthy and Cliff Kingsbury can actually change the offense as the season goes along. But you know what? No matter what you're into, if it's the NFL, baseball, golf, hockey, the NBA, they've got you all covered at betonline.net, where the game starts. And today over at the Locked On NFL podcast, well, they're going to finish out the top 10 of the 50 most valuable players in the NFL, at least according to the odds makers at Bet Online. That's right, the 50 players that move betting lines the most. So check it out, Locked On the NFL, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Well, if you checked me out earlier this week, first of all, thank you very much for sticking with me here in the off season as I post sporadic content. But guess what? August 1st, we'll be back to five days a week here on Locked on Mizzou. And frankly, I can't wait because that means football is right around the corner. But again, if you if you listened to me earlier this week, you heard me make fun of SEC media days quite a bit as an outdated concept where very little news actually happens. But by golly, we, we burn some gas to get there. That's what's important, right? But you know what? Occasionally, some news does slip out, and it did really appear that Jimbo Fisher may have let something slip yesterday down in Atlanta, and he said, along with Texas and LSU, he sort of got off on this tangent about scheduling, and he was saying, well, with Texas coming in, hey, that's a great rivalry, we got to play them, and LSU, hey, we got to keep that rivalry going as well, and then he said, quote, I think the third team on our gamut if I am not mistaken, was Mississippi State. Another West team, I believe that's the way it was. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Well, again, it sure seems like Jimbo Fisher just let loose that, hey, we're going to be doing a three-game permanent rivalry type schedule. And I would say that just based on everything I understand, that means that nine games is happening. So nine SEC opponents for Missouri. So what does that mean for the Tigers? Well, frankly, the same thing it means for everybody in the conference on one hand. With one more SEC game, hey, that means a little bit more revenue. That gives you the ability to even more re- leverage with your TV contract negotiations, makes you a more attractive product to any broadcast affiliate out there, w- without a doubt. But it also means a little bit tougher of a road to hoe for the Tigers. But On the other hand, to me, there's always been this discussion all the way back to the Gary Pinkle days, of course, and of course, even before that. We all know that the Al Onofrio days of the 1970s and and before that, going going decades back before, well, Missouri would just play a absolutely brutal non-conference schedule on top of playing the strong Big 8 schedule they played every single season. Well, since then... Obviously, there's been a shift in philosophy. Obviously, Gary Pinkle wanted to rack up some wins in the non-conference. And lots of coaches are right there with him. That tends to be the trend these days. Well, as much as I understand all of that, I think 
I think eventually what people are failing to realize, including Gary Pinkle, to be fair, who I'm obviously a, a big old fan of, but I think at a certain point, especially when everyone's forced to do it, when everyone's forced to play that extra conference game, well, you just you reset your expectations a little bit. I think that's natural. Sort of like last year's 6-6 six and six season for the Tigers in 2021, that 500 regular season didn't feel the same as the 500 regular season of 2020 when everybody knows that we played a 10-game SEC-only schedule. So again, yes, it's going to be a little bit harder, but also at the same time, as a season ticket holder, every other year you're getting one more premium, attractive conference game. Give me all the SEC games over you know, the, the Abilene Christians of the world. No offense to that program, but as a Missouri fan, you know, Central Michigan, for instance, that's just not really moving the needle for most of us. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to be there, but what do we really remember from the Delaware State game other than the final score? To me, the more competitive football, the better. But also, you know what, nine games, I, I just think it's a good move, and I think eventually the SEC may even get to ten at a certain point, but nine for now makes a lot of sense. And since the big Ten's already there, why the heck not? And by the way, speaking of conference realignment, I'll just quickly weigh in with my two cents here. I, I agree with the idea that's floating around that there's just not a lot of urgency on any of the big twos part, whether it's the sec or whether it's the Big Ten, obviously, there's not a lot of real urgency to make another move. Really, those L.A. teams, USC and UCLA, those were the big fish that were still out there, other than, of, co of course, Notre Dame. And I think what you're seeing is, is while Washington and Oregon were rumored strongly at one point to be going to the Big Ten, I just don't think that move has to happen anytime soon. I don't think that that market necessarily brings enough value to the table for the Big Ten to make them go, okay, we have to do this. In a world where Notre Dame, it seems like they're still weighing their options, right? I think they're, they're very aware of the fact that they are the most attractive property out there on the market, so they're just sitting back and waiting for the guys to come ask them to the dance. And at the same time, they're in a great spot. Notre Dame can still be single, you can still be a hot chick and be single. I, you, some of you are probably rolling your eyes at this analogy, but damn it, you know what I'm talking about. If you're hot, you have options. That's the point. And Notre Dame, well, it's hot right now, whether you like them or not. And the reality is there's a lot of reasons for them to remain independent. They can just make their own, their own negotiations. They can have their own rights. And, you know, be away from all of the nonsense of the politics of a conference. Who knows? I think that they're probably just sitting around waiting for somebody to blow them away with an offer. But until then, they'll probably just remain attractive and post bikini pictures on Instagram. I think that's where Notre Dame is right now. And really, I think it'll be probably until next offseason before you see any more cataclysmic type moves in terms of conference realignment. And speaking of the changing face of major college athletics, the Division I Council is recommending that the NCAA do away with the one-time part 
of its latest transfer rule. Well, I'm not a fan of that particular recommendation. I'm going to tell you why right after these quick messages. So back in the olden days, yes, that's right, kids, gather around, an old man is talking. Well, back before COVID-19 happened, there was a thing where guys transferred. Yes, you actually had to sit out a year. Again, you may remember a guy from way back in the day on the Mizzou basketball team named Drew Smith. I know, it's been so long, you probably barely remember his face, but in all seriousness, Drew Smith had to sit out a year before he played with the Tigers. This wasn't that long ago. And here's the thing. Again, just to recap here, the Division I Council recommending that the NCAA get rid of the one-time part of its latest transfer rule. In other words, now the rule is, hey, one time you can transfer without having to sit out at all. But the Division I Council saying, heck with that, you can transfer as many times as you want. Well, I'm just not a fan of that particular thing. You know, I could have gone with a I could have gone with the one-time exception because well, hey, you can see where hey, everybody makes mistakes. Sometimes the coach you sign with turns out to be a terrible person or or maybe the coach leaves for another school. Hey, in that case, I really don't feel like you should have to sit out a year. So, hey, one time I'm okay with it. But I have to say in a world of name, image, and likeness where guys are essentially no longer amateur athletes anymore, I just don't have the same feeling about the hypocrisy argument. The hypocrisy that, well, coaches can go whenever they want. Yeah, that's true, but also being a player and a coach is a completely different job. So to me, it's actually okay if players and coaches are treated differently. They are in every sport you can possibly think of, for instance. In the NBA, yeah, there's a salary cap on players, but hey, there is no salary cap in coaches. In theory, Steve Nash, the Brooklyn Nets coach, could be making more money than Kevin Durant. Now, that's never going to happen because obviously the player is more valuable than the coach than that league. But you see my point. Also, guess what? In college basketball and in football, Here's another inequity that nobody ever brings up. Well, coaches can stay forever, for as long as they live. Kirby Smart just signed a 10-year contract extension with the Georgia Bulldogs. But guess what? Players only have four years that they can play. Well, that's inequity. And why does nobody focus on that? How about we just let players play forever? If it's pro sports, well, guess what? Kobe Bryant could play for 20 years for the Los Angeles Lakers. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, the same deal. LeBron James is entering like year 19 or 20 this season. So why can't we just have guys play college football until their 30s? If you guys are so worried about everything being equal and the same as the coaches, see, I can already tell you're, you're pushing back and going, well, that's too far. Well, I'm sorry, to me the sort of transfer every single year if you want to, that's a little bit too far as well because the reality is if this is no longer really an amateur sport, that at a certain point, at a very major point, you're requiring the fans to pluck down money for your product. So yes, it does matter what the fans think, and I think a lot of fans like myself, 
one of the reasons college basketball, college football works is because, again, it's not like the pros. It's not just constant free agency and all that stuff. No, you get to actually get to know some of these guys. It's why the Damari Carroll, Lawrence Bowers charity basketball game this past week worked. It's not because it was beautiful basketball or anything. It was just fun to see a bunch of guys from basketball and football these stars, these guys who are were our heroes of our childhood in a lot of cases, come together and chop it up with the young guys like Michael Porter Jr. and have fun. And, you know, there's a whole connection here. And, again, I don't want to sound like a broken record. I'm just worried that's it's really something we're losing about this sport. And I think it's one of the most special things about this sport, and it's what separates it from professional sports and makes it still entertaining despite the fact that, yes, technically, the better football is played in the NFL, the better basketball is played in the NBA, and yet there are so many people that prefer the college versions. And if you throw away the baby, well, at least keep the bathwater. That's what I'm saying. Wait, did I mess that up? Ah, what the heck? I'm a good father anyway, so you know what? Get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Chris Gordy and the local experts, including myself, on occasion of the Locked On Network, take you across the Southeastern Conference in less than 30 minutes a day. Again, make Locked On SEC your second listen. So until next time, try not to throw your babies out and keep the bathwater, but you know what? Do whatever you want as long as you're listening to Locked on Mizzou.